0: Formula One is off to Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. A return to North America and racing at one of my favorite circuits on the calendar. It was a race that was absent for two seasons due to COVID. Came back last year where Max Verstappen took home the victory. This season that's all he's doing. He's won five of the seven races with Sergio Perez, his teammate, winning the other two. So will Red Bull continue the show in Canada? And if not, who's the best bet to break the streak? Well, what about everybody else behind Red Bull this season? We've got our top storyline We're going to take a look at the circuit and our top five and bottom five from the last Formula One race at Barcelona. It's the Canadian Grand Prix, and it's our preview of the race in Montreal. And this is the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Dazzieri. Thanks for joining us. If you have been listening to this podcast, I urge you again, please subscribe. And please, if you wouldn't mind, leave us a five-star review. It really does help. We're trying to get this to grow more and more. And with the season being the way it is right now, we're trying to get in front of people uh, for Grand Prix previews. Reviews, even though the season hasn't really been anything to write home about. But I love the Canadian Grand Prix, and I know many of you out there who have been longtime Formula One fans love this circuit and love this race. It's one of my favorite circuits, and I always look forward to the Canadian Grand Prix. It's one of those tracks and one of those races where so much has happened, so much history, uh, so many controversial things where this track has gotten to drivers. Drivers have gotten to the track. There's so much that can be written just on this race alone in the history of Formula One. So let's go at it. The 2023 preview of this Grand Prix this weekend on some of the top storylines that we're looking for. Number one, and this is pretty much on everybody's list, and that is the upgrades for Mercedes. Because after the double podium in Spain, Mercedes is making a serious push to be best of the rest for the 2023. 23 season. Team planned for the upgrades at Imola, but the race was understandably canceled due to the flooding. Monaco, not the best place to really see the effectiveness of upgrades, but they were all excited about Barcelona and the Hamilton Russell duo really made it paid off. They finished behind Max Verstappen, getting a double podium for the team. Well, now it's off to Canada, which is an entirely different circuit. It's got more slower corners. The team is quick to point this out as far as managing those expectations. Now we know they're nowhere near Red Bull, and this will not be the case this week. Weekend, but they are competing with Aston Martin, and these upgrades might be giving them the edge going forward in that P2 Constructors race. Plus, there's one other added thing for Mercedes as of this recording. They're currently working on a new contract for Lewis Hamilton that would keep him with the team past his 40th birthday. They hope to have that done before the race. They may have already had it done by the time you listen to this podcast, so be on the lookout for that. That partnership between Mercedes and Hamilton, six of his seven world championships have come with this team. The number two thing, and you know I was going to bring it up, it's the woes of Ferrari. Scuderia needs some answers on how this season is starting to really get away from them. They have an army of people working on this car, but every Grand Prix seems to bring a different problem. Charles Leclerc is starting to look like a really beaten man. His 11th place finish at Barcelona was a result of a frustrating weekend where he couldn't get out of Q1, had to start the race from pit lane, and then Carlos Sainz, who started second on the grid, he finished fifth. Leclerc has three races where he didn't score any points, and the team is fourth in the constructors, 34 points behind Aston Martin. And with such a dominating season by Red Bull, there's just not a lot of podium places for the team to fight for. Because right now, Aston Martin and Mercedes seems to be fighting for what is left once Red Bull gets done with finishing first or first and second or first and third. However, they're going to finish their Grand Prix. So you don't have a lot of wiggle room with Ferrari to get on those podiums when you're fighting two other teams for the best. Of the rest, And right now they are the worst of the best of the rest. Last season, Carlos Sainz did finish P2 in this Grand Prix. He did put some pressure on Max Verstappen. Leclerc finished fifth. He made his way through the field. They do need something good to happen soon. Maybe they can start spinning some good stuff in Montreal. All right, the third thing that I'm watching out for is Sergio Perez, because there are two school of thoughts here. Follow me on this. One is that Checo is going to have less pressure, right? Now it is clear Max Verstappen is going to win the championship. It wasn't that many races ago that Perez was saying that he could win the title. You know, if everything goes right, he could be champion. He left Miami. He was only 14 points back of Max, but he's got back-to-back poor performances in both Monaco and Barcelona, races that Verstappen won. He's now down 53. The so now the early talk of I can win a championship could be over and he could just refocus on finishing second and keeping Fernando Alonso behind him in P2 in the driver's championship now the second school of thought is he's actually under more pressure because there's all these rumors swirling around that he might be replaced uh, by Red Bull at the end of the season now I'm not in that camp that Red Bull is going to terminate checo's contract earlier than the team would want I and mean, they gave him a two-year extension after last season in Monte Carlo when he He won the Monaco Grand Prix, but however, this battle with Alonso this season is real, and I know that they would certainly like one and two locked up from the driver's perspective. Look, rumors of drivers getting sacked are all over the place. They happen all the time. They happen every year. A lot of people use it for clicks. I'm not in that camp yet, but I I think that there is an idea in Checo's camp that he's got his. You know, he can't with that Red Bull car. He can't finish behind Aston Martin or a Mercedes. Like he can't be P4 when this is all over. So he's might be under more. More pressure to secure that second spot, even though the dreams of winning a championship are pretty much dead. All right, what about the fourth thing that we're watching for for the Canadian Grand Prix? Well, we can't do a Canadian Grand Prix without talking about the Canadian, and that is Lance Stroll and his team, Aston Martin. Well, Nicholas Latifi is gone. So now the entire country has just one guy to root for as the hometown hero, and that's Lance. His father, Lawrence, has set a double podium day for Montreal. That is the goal of the team. Fernando Alonso, he has done his part so far this season. He's got five podiums this year, and again, creeping up behind Perez for second in the driver's standing stroll on the other hand he only got he only has 35 points this season eighth in the standings three races with zero points both drivers struggled in barcelona alonso avowed avow, that would never happen again so you and by the way you got to love his fire right i mean he's like that's never going to happen again But they also have some upgrades that they're bringing to Montreal that allowed them to hold off Mercedes. Again, we're talking about the guys that are going to be behind Red Bull in the standings when this is over. But I always pay attention to drivers racing on home soil. Uh, Did it with Logan Sargent at Miami. We always do it in Spain with Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz. We're certainly going to do it here in Canada with Lance Stroll and Aston Martin. I don't miss Latifi, but I kind of miss Latifi. You guys, you guys know what I mean. At number five on the top storylines that I'm watching for is the weather. I know this seems like a cop out because we could say weather all the time, but it rained last year for qualifying, where Max Verstappen are in pole position. And remember, Alonso got P2 for Alpine when he was driving for Alpine? Then uh, we got the race day, and the rainy weather was not a factor. So, will we get that again? Rain is in the forecast for Saturday, but they don't expect it to be a factor when we get to qualifying. But you just never know this time of year. It doesn't be, doesn't appear to be some rain in the forecast for Sunday. And by the way, if anyone was wondering about the wildfires and the smoke that affected the air quality all the way down to Washington, D.C. earlier this month, no concern by race organizers or Formula One that that will be an issue for this weekend. So there you have it. Those are the top five things that I'm watching for for the Canadian Grand Prix. All right, let's get to track talk. The circuit Gilles Villeneuve is located in Montreal. It's located on an island, Notre Dame Island, in the St. Lawrence River. There are 14 turns with a few medium chicanes. It's one of the reasons I like it. it. It's got this hairpin turn that leads to this long straight that's like a kilometer long. And then there's like another chicane, and there's another straight that takes you to the start-finish line and then turns one and two form an S. It's named the Senna S. I just love this circuit. It's got a straight circuit feel to it with the barriers, the surrounding, the wildlife. It's a beautiful setting. So you got that sort of street circuit feel, but it's a it's an actual racing circuit. But the, one of the things I like about this is that there's three DRS zones and there are two that kind of come back to back. So if, if the hairpin off of turn 11, that's where you get one DRS zone. And again, that's a kilometer long. That's where you get one DRS zone. And then you have the chicane and that's uh, turns It kind of turns 13 and 14 after you sort of have a sort of dip in one of the, it turned 12. So you got 13 and 14, and then that takes you to a stretch to the start finish line, and that's where you get the second. DRS zone. So it's kind of unique. So you could pass a guy and then if he stays behind you at the chicane, he could also then activate the DRS in the second portion of that and pass you right back. So you can see a lot of that going on this weekend. Sort of guys trading DRS passes back and forth. So I I love it. I I love it. Like I said, you you got the Senna S turns one and two. You've got these again, these medium speed chicanes that sort of break up. You got this bridge. They go under the bridge. Again, the hairpin is fantastic. There's so much to like about the about this circuit. you got the Wall of Champions, which is uh, where the Welcome to Quebec sign is. It's named that because Damon Hill, Jacques Villeneuve, and Michael Schumacher all crashed there at some point, so they named it the Wall of Champions. Lewis Hamilton is a seven time winner of the Canadian Grand Prix. He's the only driver currently on the grid with multiple victories on this track. Max Verstappen is the defending champ. This race will be 70 laps. Pirelli bringing the softer tires this weekend. C3 for the hard, C4 for the mean is C5 for the softs. I love Montreal. I've been to Montreal three times. I went to a Bruins-Canadians hockey game when I was younger, and then I just went because when you live in New Hampshire, going to Montreal is a cool thing to do. Now, I haven't been to Montreal in 30 years. So I, I hate it when people say things like, oh, I love that city. It's such a great city. It's such a great place. And then when you find out when was the last time they were there, they say 1991 or they 1985. Well, that's a long time. A city can go up and down very, very quickly. So I'm not going to vouch for the city of Montreal. If you've been there recently, I'm sure it's awesome. I hope it's still as awesome as it was when I was in my early 20s but I do know that I love this this race. I love the Canadian Grand Prix. I'm glad it's back. I mean, there's so much history to this. I mean, you go back to 2019 where Sebastian Vettel had to give the first place up to Lewis Hamilton because he came back out on the racetrack in an unsafe way. Jensen Button, 2011 was the longest Formula One race uh, ever when it was rained. He came from last all the way to first, beating the two Red Bulls. I mean, I could go on and on and I won't because that's not what this podcast is about. Maybe somebody will do a Formula One history podcast where they go into deep dives of some of the greatest races in the history of the sport. That's actually a pretty good idea. But this podcast is about the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix. I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for Saturday for qualifying as well. All right, it's time now for top five and bottom five of the last Grand Prix that we had, which was at Barcelona, the Spanish Grand Prix. If you're new to this podcast, um, we always in our reviews, we always give team letter grades of the 10 teams on the grid. But in our previews, we go back to the last Grand Prix and give a top five and bottom five. And a top five and bottom five could be anything. It could be drivers, teams. It could be circumstance. It could be stewards. I mean, you name it. It could be anything. So it gives us a kind of a picture of what the good and the bad were from the uh, previous Grand Prix. So we got the Spanish Grand Prix and we always go bottom five first. So let's get at it. And the top five is going to start with Logan Sargent at number five. He's a rookie, I get it, and he's still learning the ropes of Formula One, Um, but of the three rookies that were going into this season, I would have graded them out as, at the start of the year, Piastri, Nick DeVries, and Logan Sargent. And DeVries struggled so much early that he's coming around now that Sargent is now Owning that bottom spot, even though he had a good run in Bahrain to open up the season, he had a disappointing race in Miami. But again, these are all learning the ropes, but he finished dead last. So I'm going to put him dead last. I'll give him the five spot in the bottom five, a 20th place finish, but I'm hoping good things for Logan Sargent because, you know, I like him. Number four, though, I'm going to give it to McLaren. It, this was set up for a really good day for Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri. Both had made it into Q3 and they both were fit starting off in the top ten, and unfortunately, the day really, really got away from him. For Lando, it was a turn one. He hit the back of Lewis Hamilton, had damage to the nose. It cost him to come in. His chances were gone after that. Plus, they had no safety car, so they couldn't take advantage of maybe a pit stop where they could make, make, make up some places. Oscar Piastri Ostry, who also got into Q3, also started in the top 10. He finished 13. So as a team, McLaren gets the number four spot. Number three, Valtteri Bottas. What is happening to Al- Valtteri Bottas this season? This was a 19th place finish just ahead of Logan Sargent. That's it. Only one rookie was did did, did he beat in, in Sunday in Barcelona. He's had a terrible, terrible season. He couldn't get the softs to work. And when you couple that, that Joe Guan Yu actually had a very good race in Barcelona. It's It's even more of a disappointing day for Valtteri Bottas. Number two, I don't want to be too hard on him, but it's Fernando Alonso because, man, he's having such a great season. He's getting on podiums. He's revitalized a a championship career. But it was a P7, and it's below our expectations. Now, I will say that one of the things I did like when the realization happened that He didn't have to pass Lance Stroll. He did not pass Lance Stroll, sort of protected Stroll to get that sixth spot, knowing that as a team, they were going to do pretty well. Both cars finishing in the top 10. Why run the risk of anything? Don't bother. Just stay behind your uh, teammate. That's what he did. And it was, you know, highly praised maneuver. So I'll give him that. But, you know, unfortunately, this is a team that is expected to be competing for the top best of the rest position. And they sort of didn't. So I have to uh, at least punish you on that regard but number one, this is Ferrari. Uh, it was just a bad weekend overall. Talked about it in the things to watch out for in the Canadian Grand Prix. Carlos Sainz started on the front row in Spain. He was on the softs. He tried to make that move early on Max Verstappen. We knew it wouldn't last, but it would have been kind of cool to have the lead for a moment, but nevertheless, he finished fifth. Once he, he was really battling Sergio Perez. The Mercedes were much too quick for him. He couldn't hold off Perez as for Leclerc awful, awful, awful weekend. Couldn't get out of Q1. Started from the pit lane, put him on hards. It didn't really take off. Fighting Pierre Gasly for 11th, which would have been the final point position because of the penalty to Yuki Tsunoda. Nevertheless, Ferrari, as I mentioned earlier, they've got to figure something out. They are fighting again with Aston Martin and Mercedes, and they are behind pace on that. So now let's get to the top five. As I mentioned, Joe Guan Yu, he's my fifth in the top five from Barcelona because he had a really great race. Very good afternoon. Finished in the points. Got a ninth place finish. Had the tanglement with Yuki Sonoda that penalized Sonoda that allowed uh, Pierre Gasly to get the final point of the Grand Prix. But it was a really good showing for Joe Guan Yu. He has had a, hasn't had a ton of great showings, but this one's a really good one. So I put him in the top five. Number four is Sergio Perez. Uh, had a bad qualifying, but he made up for it. He kind of went Went through the field and uh, using that card and pick off spots and did and finished fourth. Um, racing began the race on the medium tires. Yes, it was tough qualifying for him, but you want to get as many points as you can out of the deal when you're finishing in the back. And near the back, I should say, uh, at a, couldn't get out of Q2. And uh, he did just that. So Sergio Perez is number four in the top five. Number three, I gave it to Alpine. I gave him a B on the review for their day because both drivers finished in the points and that's pretty great. Um, Esteban Ocon had a a podium in Monaco. He followed that up with an eighth place finish in Barcelona. Pierre Gasly got that final point, as I mentioned before, battling Charles Leclerc over the final few laps. And Gasly had dropped down to P14 in this Grand Prix at the start of the race, worked his way back up. Um, Ocon thought, P8 was the best that they were going to do. This team is starting to come around a little bit shaky in the beginning of the year, but they've really started to come around a bit. So Alpine is number three. Number two, I'm giving it to Max Verstappen. I could give him number one and I should give him number one, but if you've been following this, you know my thought on this. Verstappen, I could do this every single week, but I try to find some other things that have more weight than just Verstappen crossing the finish line in first. Now, don't get me wrong. He deserves to be number one. I mean, he had a grand slam victory. I mean, he started on pole position. He led every lap. He won by a mile. He got the fastest lap at the end when the team told him not to. He played, he was tricking it up with the white line uh, infractions. It, it's all good for the number one spot, but I could do this every week with the Verstappen. I tried to find the best story coming out of it. I think the best story was Mercedes. They told us the upgrades would be really effective in Barcelona. It looks like they were. The team got a 2-3 podium finish. I mean, that is really, really outstanding. I, I gave it to them because again this is something we need it's not a matter of beating red bull no one's going to beat red bull they're not going to win races against verstappen unless something happens to verstappen but that doesn't mean they're not they're going to go winless i mean again verstappen could be knocked out of a grand prix who knows but the reality of it is, is that the real battle this season is between Aston Martin Ferrari and now Mercedes and Mercedes did a great job everything about that weekend was a plus for Mercedes so i got to give them props and- and I give him ahead as a team ahead of Verstappen's accomplishment. Even though it was a grand slam win, I've been seeing Verstappen do this all season long. So Mercedes is my top from the Spanish Grand Prix. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Overtake F1 podcast, our Canadian Grand Prix preview. Enjoy the race this weekend. We're going to add a new feature. There's some of you out there that are new Formula One fans. If you have a question about the sport or the direction of a driver or team or whatnot and you want me to answer it or you want me to comment on it, feel free to send me an email at at Yahoo.com. Even if you are a veteran Formula One fan and you want to, spout off on something we that you know we can read on the podcast and and talk about uh, feel free to do that as well you can also hit me up on twitter at tony d radio all right we're going to be back next week with a review of the canadian grand prix and as i've been saying all podcasts i love this circuit i love this race so i'm looking forward to it this weekend i'm looking forward to reviewing it again please subscribe i'm tony Deziri it is the overtake f1 podcast enjoy your weekend